Why choose a Sleep Number Smart Bed? Because no two people sleep the same. Only the Sleep Number Smart Bed lets you each choose your individual firmness and comfort your Sleep Number setting. The Climate 360 Smart Bed is so smart, it actively cools or warms up to 13 degrees on either side for your ideal sleep temperature. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Special Edition Smart Bed, plus free home delivery when you add an adjustable base. Ends Monday. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. To find a store near you, visit sleepnumber.com. On this episode, I talk with Dr. Zoe Shaw, a licensed psychotherapist, about how to let go of the past so you can live in the present and what moms should stop apologizing for and feeling guilty about. And so because we are going about our mom life trying to do the absolute impossible, we're going to feel guilt because we're not going to be able to, to always live up to that. And so in that way, the guilt is unhealthy because our expectations are way too high. Everyone's expectations for us are way too high. And we've got to remind ourselves, and I remind myself regularly, okay, these kids were given to me for a reason, and I'm supposed to be their mom, so they're supposed to get me all the bad and the good. Hi, and welcome to the Parentologist Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Kim. The Parentologist Podcast is a show about everything parenting with a therapeutic twist. Each episode focuses on a variety of relatable topics, including parenting, family, children, relationships, mental health, and pop culture. Hear from a variety of medical professionals, psychological experts, authors, celebrities, and other parents with inspiring stories. You'll feel like you're in the same room with your friends getting all of your questions answered. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll learn, and you'll have fun. Dr. Zoe, thank you so much for being here today on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you, Dr. Kim. I'm so excited to be here today. I am too. You know, we've been friends on Facebook for a while now, and you um, have just inspired me with your work, and I wanted you to share a little bit with the listeners today. And we're going to be focusing on letting go of past regrets, how to stop feeling so guilty and paralyzed by our past and even our failures and how to prioritize ourselves. Um, as a mom, I feel like I'm guilty or I feel guilty all the time mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's not healthy, right? Um, but I know, I know I'm not the only one. So I'd love to just kind of dispel some myths and talk about what I should be feeling guilty for, maybe what I should stop apologizing for all the time um, and what I should be focusing on and how to maybe let go of some of those past regrets so I can start living in the present and moving forward you know, with myself and just forgiving myself for things that have happened in the past and, um, you know, um, going on to a brighter future and not living so much in in that, in that yuckiness. So that's why I have you here today. So you're, (laughs) you're going to help me and everyone else who's listening. (laughs) Well, I I think you brought the right person on today because I'm full of regrets. I have a history of plenty of mistakes that I've made, just like, you know, many of the women that I'm sure both of us work with. I love this quote that says, a woman who made no mistakes never made anything. And I hold on to that because sometimes we can really get mired down in our regret and our sadness and our guilt. We might talk a little bit about the difference between guilt and shame, but you know, when we're talking about regrets, there's, there's big R's and little R regrets. So the big R regrets, or I should say the little R regrets are, I shouldn't have had that piece of cake last night, right? Right. <laughs> the big R regrets are, I shouldn't have had that affair. 
something bigger like that, right? And right. you know, we didn't talk about this before, but I'll just share, and I I do in my podcast and my my work. When I was 15, I had got pregnant and I had a child and I was there's was kind of a forced adoption, long story, but there was a lot of shame and a lot of guilt in that. And it has colored my parenting, especially my early on parenting. So I have a gamut of children. Just so you guys know, I have five kids. Um, and my youngest is nine. My oldest is 28, but my oldest raised is 21. And, you know, in my early years of parenting, it really, you know, it really colored my parenting because I came to it from a place of guilt. And we'll talk about that too. But there's big R and little R regret. And we all live with it. And so the deal isn't to get rid of regret. The deal is to learn how to manage it. And the deal is to learn how to accept it in your life and not live there. That's the most important thing. That's really good to, to know. And, and and actually keep in mind with the, the big R regrets and the little R regrets, because I think both can creep in, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty pretty quickly and frequently throughout our lives. Right. Um, but it's it's the little regrets. I feel like I personally have a, a holdover. I can manage them a little better. It's those big R regrets that creep in sometimes and can really paralyze you or, or you know me. I'll speak for myself. You know, when it comes to thinking about I shouldn't have taken that job or if I would have taken a different career path, I would have been in a completely different spot. Yeah. Or if I would have married someone different, then I wouldn't be where I am now. And then you might even think about a previous relationship. And now with social media being so prominent, we can look on at those people. You know, we can look right. up our past relationships right. and see where they are and see, you know, who they got married to and how many kids they have and, you know, what kind of job they ended up with. And sometimes that can debilitate us from living in our own lives and in our own present relationship because we're thinking about the what ifs and the woulda, coulda, shouldas from mm-hmm. that person, right? Or I don't know. Do you, do you feel like you experience that in your practice? Um, uh, or am I the only one that kind of thinks about those things sometimes? <laughs> oh my goodness. Like I said, we all do. Yeah. You know, I have, you know, moms coming in and, you know, their kids might be adults and they're still caught up on something that they did when they were pregnant and thinking this must be why this is going on with my child. I shouldn't have eaten that piece of fish because that's why he has this developmental, you know, disability. And yeah, the thing is, is that we all have it, but if we choose to stay there, it sabotages our life and we're not able to, to see the beauty that's going on, but we're also not able to be present with our people now because it changes our relationships. And I want to talk a little bit about some of the effects of hanging on, you know, to the regret. So when we hang on to regret, we lose our sense of confidence in ourselves. We start to distrust ourselves because we're focusing on the things we did wrong instead of focusing on the things we've done right. So I want you to ask yourself, okay, and and I do this with myself. Sometimes we can get in these ruminating places where we're just thinking about all the things, mistakes we made, you know, the time we yelled at a kid, you know, the thing that we did that we shouldn't have done. And what we, what we often don't do is just sit and ruminate on, but what are all the things I did right? Like, what yeah, I, don't do, I don't do that as often as I part. should. That's such a right. great point. Ah. <laughs> it's like a light bulb just went off in my head. <laughs> yes. And so I think that's a great practice when you find yourself spiraling down into that regret is to go stop. Yes, it's there. It's the past. And the thing about the past is we cannot change it ever. So at the very least, we can focus on now what? 
And also, but what did I do right? Let me replicate those things. Let me remember the time that, you know, I made all the lunches and my kid forgot the thing and I remembered it and took it and I showed up for, you know, the audition or whatever it was, even though I had just finished a meeting. And think about all the times that you recognize that something was going on with your kid and you talked to them about it and they needed to be, you to be there in that moment because those moments are there too. Even for moms who feel like, I just make so many mistakes, but you've done some things right. Right. And I always feel that at the end of the day, when I feel like I've had a bad day or I've gotten upset with my kids or they went to school late and Mm -hmm. I feel guilty about that, or the lunch wasn't as healthy as I thought it could be because I didn't put fresh fruit and vegetables in it or something and they have processed bars and whatnot and chips. And, you know, all those things add up at the end of the day and, and you just, you know, you beat yourself up about it. And that's where that mom guilt comes in. And that mom guilt is, is you know, I mean, you're a mom of five I and mean, that that's powerful. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, when I'm sitting there with my kids, putting them to bed and they give me a huge hug and they say, I love you, mom. It's like there's nothing else that matters. It's like it all kind of goes to the wayside. It's been erased okay. for the day mm-hmm. of thinking, oh, this is what I did right. You know, to the point you were saying is my kids love me and they know that they're loved and they know that they're safe and, you know, their lunch may not have been as healthy as it could be, or they, you know, got to school a little late, but they're okay. They're well adjusted and they're going to be fine. And then it, some of that weight, that heavy weight just kind of gets lifted from me. Right. Mm -hmm. So. Absolutely. um, And you know, Dr. Kim, I have to, I have to address the fact that sometimes we make really big mistakes that aren't reparable. Sometimes we make really big mistakes that do have long time repercussions. And even still, we can't allow that to destroy our present because it is done. And what you can do is show up as your best person now. Because what I know is that often, especially when when we make those mistakes that we see are affecting our children, maybe we did marry the wrong person. Maybe then we had to get a divorce. Maybe it did have, you know, a a negative effect on our kids. But what I know is that when we parent out of guilt, we're not good parents. And so although you can't change that, you can change moving forward and parenting from a place of presence and not guilt. I love that. I love that so much. And it's so true. It's so Mm -hmm. true. So why do you think mom guilt is so prevalent? Why do you think it just gets to us? I don't know a mom that hasn't had mom guilt. And it's it, it is. It's debilitating. Like it's sometimes where you feel so bad about something that you can't shake it. And it, it just, you know, and it can be anything and everything. So why do you think it's so prominent in our in our mom life that we feel so guilty about so many things? Yeah, I think it's a little complicated and there's a lot there are a lot of reasons. I heard somebody somewhere say that, you know, when when you are when you birth a child, your doctor hands you eight pounds of guilt and it just grows exponentially <laughs> over fantastic. the course of your parenting. And I thought, oh yeah, that sounds about right. That's true. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think it comes from a good place. And, you know, guilt is not an unhealthy emotion when we use it appropriately. Guilt just tells us, you know, I think I've done something wrong. And the answer is, okay, let me fix it and not do it that way in the future. So that's, you know, a little bit about guilt. So I think to some extent, there's some healthy guilt there. And the reality is we all want to be good parents. We want our kids to turn out well, and we fear that they won't. But then the other problem is that our society tells mom moms now that we have to do and be 
everything. And it's also impossible. And so because we are going about our mom life trying to do the absolute impossible, we're going to feel guilt because we're not going to be able to, to always live up to that. And so in that way, the guilt is unhealthy because our expectations are way too high. Everyone's expectations for us are way too high. And we've got to remind ourselves, and I remind myself regularly, okay, these kids were given to me for a reason. And I'm supposed to be their mom, so they're supposed to get me all the bad and the good. And I also remember that my deficits will actually create strengths in my kids. And for some reason, they're going to need that. And that helps me, and I talk to my kids about that too. Um, I think it's so important to be honest with your kids about your deficits. Be honest with your kids about the th ways and times that you mess up so that they can see that and you're modeling for them so that they can do that for themselves too. And one last thing when it comes to injuring our kids, and I'm talking about emotional or you know psychological injury, um, I like to think of parenting as creating a net, so like a functional net. And if we think of as, you know, I'm sure no one out there is a fisherman, but <laughs> as a fisherman, you want a good functioning net. And a good net is full of holes, right? Right. If we create a net that has no holes on it, it's actually in it, <clears throat> it's actually not functional. And we should never intentionally create holes in our children, but we will. And what we have to recognize is that as long as the holes that are getting created over the course of our children's life, you know, childhood are small, then they're going to be so functional, right? We want to avoid those big gaping holes. We want to repair any big gaping holes that are there, but we can't avoid the small ones. Our job is to walk with our children and to teach them how to deal with their little disappointments and their big disappointments, even if we're the ones that are creating the disappointments. Our job is to walk with them, not to not allow them to have any holes. Yeah, and I agree with that. And I think that there is so much power in being vulnerable with our children, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? They learn so much from that. And not only just, you know, validating their emotions and knowing, oh, it's okay to feel sadder or mad or whatever it is if we're experiencing those emotions that day as a parent. But like you said, it also helps them maybe accept failure more. I think we're exactly. so scared yeah. of failure out there. We're scared of failing ourselves as parents mm -hmm. and we're scared of our kids failing. And I think there's just such anxiety and so much fear surrounded around that, that again, it kind of paralyzes us uh, to do something um, to help, you know, to, to, for them to fail. So we sometimes overcompensate maybe as parents where we, you know, try and fix their, their social relationships, you know, and get involved with that yes. um, or get in the middle of that. Or maybe we, you know, help them on a paper or uh, a project and you can tell it's parent done. <laughs> Those little science projects that, you know, yes. oh, the kid didn't do that one. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, we overcompensate in a way for our kids because we're just too scared for them to fail. And then, like you said, there's no learning in that. There's no growing in that. So, Let's talk a little bit. I know you um, shared a little bit at the beginning, and we didn't go in too much depth yet about shame versus guilt, because mm. can guilt turn into shame? Like maybe we feel shameful as a parent because we've made so many mistakes, and it goes beyond feeling guilty about something. Can you share a little bit more about the difference and how I that can. guilt can be felt? 
Yeah. You know, like I said, guilt is actually can be a very healthy emotion. It helps us make sure that we're kind of sticking to our moral code. Um, It lets us know when we've gone wrong. And so guilt can be very healthy. It just says, I've done something wrong. What happens is that it's, it's a little complicated because guilt can do a couple of things. If we continue to push down guilt and push down guilt, not address it, it can morph into shame. And shame is both a psychological and emotional kind of um, a state, but it is also a physical state. Shame becomes part of our physiology, um, and shame is really a feeling of I am bad. Not I made a mistake, but I'm bad. Right. That and internalization a little bit, right? You're internalizing what you're doing. Is exactly. Not just I had a bad day, but I'm a bad person. I'm right? a bad okay. mom. Yes. Yes. I'm a bad mom. I'm a bad person. And when we tell ourselves that, it becomes irreparable. So, you know, we can make decide I'm going to change that behavior, but it's a lot harder to decide I'm going to change who I am. And so, and so shame begins to kind of morph us and it, it gets into our personality. It gets into the lens that we see the world, the way that we see ourselves. And that can be extremely unhealthy um, and, and toxic for ourselves and the people that we're interacting with. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to ask you next how we can help ourselves not spiral into that. And maybe if you can give some ideas of some things that we can stop apologizing for, but we're going to take a really quick break first. Okay. Hi, I'm Dr. Kim, the parentologist. As a wife, mom, therapist, and all-around juggler like most of you, I lead a hectic life. And sometimes that means indulging in foods on the go that my stomach doesn't always agree with. Thankfully, Pepto-Bismol provides me fast and effective relief for all kinds of upset stomachs. Having a little too many guilty pleasures at a family barbecue or birthday celebration may lead to indigestion or heartburn, so I always keep Pepto on hand to get fast relief when I need it the most. Pepto-Bismol, use as directed and keep out of reach of children. Okay, so before the break, we talked about the difference between guilt and shame and how shame can be very internalizing and how we can think not just I made a bad mistake, but I am a bad mom or I am a bad person. Mm-hmm. How do we get out of that? How how can we, if there's an antidote, maybe, I don't know, but how can we um, help ourselves when we're in that type of state of mind? What can we do to help ourselves? Yeah. You know, Brene Brown talks a lot about about overcoming shame and that the the antidote is vulnerability, which I I think it's a great first step. But what I found with my clients is sometimes no matter how much we talk about it um, to our friends, to our therapist, it doesn't necessarily overcome it. Um, and what I'm finding is that what really can help with shame, of course, naming it, so that's speaking it, right? But working on understanding ourselves, self-compassion, and forgiveness, So what I like to um, talk about is the fact that all behavior makes sense in its context. So when we're judging ourselves deeply, when we're saying, I am bad, I want you to go back or I'm a bad mom. I want you to go back to maybe the very first time that you started to feel that. Like what happened? 
What did you do? What did someone tell you? Did someone judge you? Was it something that someone else in, you know, put on you? Or was that something that you decided for yourself because of something you did? So that's an important thing with shame is separating like what's not my fault and what I did. And then when you can understand this concept of all behavior makes sense in its context, sometimes I'll take somebody back and I'll think, think about those movies, like those crazy, like, like uh, movies where you see it and it's opening up and there's all this chaos and you got this guy maybe like in a, in a suit and tie and he's like shooting up a bank, right? It all looks crazy. Right. None of it makes sense. But then it takes you back to the beginning of the story. And as you watch the story of the guy and maybe his childhood and maybe the, the day that he had, as it all unfolded, you get to a point where when you get to that bank scene again, it all makes perfect sense, right? And your life is the same way. We make choices, usually out of really good intentions. And we make choices sometimes out of our own uh, dysfunction, sometimes out of things that are going on with us that are negative, but it made perfect sense. And if you can look at your life and go, okay, it was a bad choice. I get that. But I, I can understand why I did that. And I probably would have done it again, having the same life and circumstances, temperament, per personality, all the things. And so that's how you can start to build some self-compassion is understanding that all behavior makes sense in its context. What I did or who I, told, I was told I am is not who I am. And let me start to separate that. And then it comes down to some self-talk too with forgiveness. Exactly. And I think, like you said, acceptance is such a big component of that. And, you know, even coming to terms, I was just thinking about the other day of, you know, I'm not exactly the mom I thought I was going to be. Mm. <laughs> right? Yes. And coming to accept that. Because in my head, I thought, you know, I'm going to get up earlier than everyone. And I'm going to, you know, have the diffuser going with beautiful smells in my home. And I'm going to make them a nice breakfast. And everyone's going to be on time. And it's just, you know, I just picture this, this mode, this mom mode that I envision myself and I'm not that mom. I don't know if anyone can be that mom. It's it's probably not even a, a, a realistic notion right. of what a mom is, right? But in your head, everyone I'm sure has a, a notion of that or a, a, mm -hmm. a, an idea of what the mom they wanted to be. And and maybe some are close and that's great. I know I'm not. And and because maybe we are just imperfect people as humans, we're, you know, we're not perfect. So mm -hmm. Um, but coming to accept that and also coming to accept that there's seasons. And I don't know if you agree with this too, yes. that there's seasons, there's sometimes I am not in the best place or my family is just not in the best place or we're just super busy with you know school and extracurriculars and all the things. And you can't even take a second to be present and, and happy, really. You know, you're just stressed all the time. And then there's other seasons where you look back and you think, wow, that was, you know, really good time. And yeah. You know, so I think just accepting the seasonal changes in motherhood and parenthood as well is helpful to know that, okay, this isn't going to last forever. This is just a season in my life. Do you, have you experienced that even as personally as a mom? Um, Absolutely. And I love what you said about, you know, accepting the disappointment that you can't be the mother that maybe you thought you'd be. I was the perfect mother before I had children. <laughs> exactly. Me too. That's amazing. We have that in common. <laughs> yeah. And we do. We have to come to that acceptance that number one, there isn't, there isn't one out there. Um, oh, but the other thing I wanted to talk about is the fact that what we also do sometimes when it comes to shame and blame and guilt is we're projecting our own childhood 
onto our children, right? 100%. 100%. And we're seeing it through that lens and we're trying to fix things that happen to us. And so some of our disappointments have nothing to do with our children. We, we project and impose that on them. They're having a completely different childhood than you did. And if you're able to separate that too, like what's mine? What's actually going on with my children? And what am I projecting onto them because of my, my childhood that I want to make sure doesn't happen? Right. Gosh, life is so much work, isn't it? It is. Yeah. <laughs> it's always always something to work on. Okay, so let's talk about some things that we shouldn't feel guilty about or maybe we should stop apologizing for. You know, Absolutely. what are some things as moms that we can say we can just let go of maybe a little bit? What would be your advice? I know you've had some posts on social media talking about um I think it was this top 7 things to stop apologizing about in relationships. So I'm sure mm-hmm. some of that can combine. But if you could maybe Absolutely. share some of those and just yeah, what are some things we can just let go of and stop feeling guilty about and apologize? for? I think that's a great question. I think first we have to say, what should we apologize for? We should apologize for something that we know has broken our moral code that we're not okay with, or if we know we've significantly hurt somebody. Otherwise, we should not be apologizing. And it's also important to make sure that your apologies are appropriate. So we don't want to do a manipulation apology or a false apology. A false apology is, I'm sorry you feel that way. A manipulation apology is, I'm sorry, but I want to defend myself and really make it your fault, right? Right. So we want to be careful we're not doing that. So only apologize for something that is really something that you've done, right? So the question then is, okay, so what should you not apologize for? You should not apologize for your feelings. You should not apologize for alone time that you need. When we go back to feelings, all feelings are good, even anger. It's okay if you're angry. It's okay if you're mad. It's important to say that even to your children. I'm angry and I'm mad or I'm upset about this. Do not apologize for those things. You want to apologize for behavior, right? Don't apologize for alone time because you need it. And it's important to model that to your children too. You deserve to have your alone time. It's not something that is healthy to feel guilty about. I know that the guilt is there and the guilt is a false story. You should not apologize for your natural quirks. Remember what I talked about, about the fact that your children are yours for a reason. They came to you from the universe, from God, whatever you believe for a reason. And so you're weird and we're all weird. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) And you should not apologize for your natural quirks. You should also not apologize for asking for what you need. And we women get caught up in this when we're asking for help. I hate that word when it comes to asking for what we need from our spouse. I always encourage women to not ask for help because it indicates that he's doing something for you instead of you two partnering together right? Yes. To take care of this family and this home. So you should never apologize for asking for what you need. You're not God. You are not a superwoman, although you are an amazing woman. Yes. You can't do everything. And so you can't apologize for that. You shouldn't. And you should never apologize for your own personal growth. Our personal growth sometimes creates um a little bit of shift and some uncomfortableness for people in our lives, whether it's our spouse or our children, family, friends, and that can be uncomfortable and you should not apologize for your own personal growth. I love it. 
I love it. Dr. Zoe, thank you so much for your wisdom and just you you have so many inspiring ways to help women, um, to help moms, you know, to help people out there that, you know, are living a life of possible regrets, mm-hmm. um, are living a life of mom guilt, <laughs> constant yeah. guilt and, and possibly shame that they're feeling in their lives. And, you know, now just realizing that they're this beautiful person, this beautiful human who is taking care of little humans the best way they can and to allow ourselves to give ourselves grace and say, you know what, there are a lot of things we do right. And that's what we should focus on is not so much all the things we do wrong, but there's a lot we do right. And I would even say to write those down and to keep them somewhere where when you're having that bad day and you're feeling really bad about yourself or about something that happened, to get that list out and remind (laughs) yourself of all the things that you've done right over the years, all the decisions you made that were right, and you know all the reasons why you're loved and special, and and all those things. So I, I would I would challenge everyone today who's listening to make a list right now and put it by your bedside table or put it up on your fridge wherever you want to put it to remind yourself of all all the things that you do right. So I love that. So love that. Um, where can people find you for more information um, and just to get um, just to follow along with you and get more of your tips and whatnot. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram. That's the place where I hang out. It's at Dr. Zoe Shaw and my website as well, drzoeshaw.com. And please listen to my podcast, Stronger in the Difficult Places. Yes. Big fan, big fan. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Zoe. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. I cannot wait for you to listen to more episodes. If you are a new listener, I recommend starting at my best of year one episode first. Then make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And when you love an episode, please leave a review. And if you want to stay connected between episodes, please visit me on social media at The Parentologist and on my blog at theparentologist.com. This podcast is not intended to be a replacement for therapy. If you or someone you know is in crisis, please call 911.